Welcome to the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast, the show that brings you lively conversations with leaders, colleagues, and friends in healthcare, pharmacy, and beyond. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast. I'm Melissa Muir Corrigan, and I'll be your host. This is episode 40 of the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast, and thanks for listening. We're releasing this episode during Pharmacist Month, when we celebrate pharmacists' contributions to healthcare. Boy, this is so important, especially during the pandemic, as pharmacists, student pharmacists, and pharmacy technicians make a difference on immunization, COVID-19 issues and therapies, and helping people achieve optimal health outcomes. Thank you. So now, on today's podcast, I'll be talking with Kelly Mush. Kelly and I are going to be discussing many things, including her experiences advocating for women in the workplace, along with her passion for developing new practitioners. I'll give you a bit of an introduction to Kelly, and then let her tell you about herself, her career, and her many varied experiences in life in general. Kelly Mush currently serves as Site Manager Pharmacy Services at Ohio Health Grant Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio. She also is ASHP's chair of the New Practitioners Forum Executive Committee. Can't wait to learn more about that one. Kelly received the Ohio Society of Health System Pharmacists Emerging Leader Award in 2019. Trained as a pharmacist, Kelly graduated from Ohio Northern University College of Pharmacy, and after graduation, completed a combined PGY-1, PGY-2 Health System Pharmacy Administration Residency at Ohio Health. Concurrently, she completed her master's degree in health system pharmacy administration at The Ohio State University. Well, Kelly, thanks for being here with me today. Before we get started with your talking about your career experiences, maybe you can talk a little bit about your background, where you grew up, about your family, life in Ohio, and your pharmacy residency experiences. Sure. Thank you, Melissa, for having me on your podcast today. I'm Truly honored to be here and talking with you about all that I have done to date in my career and kind of where we go from here. So I'll try to keep this brief. I grew up on the west side of Cleveland um, in a suburb of Westlake. My dad was actually the one who encouraged me to pursue pharmacy because of the positive relationship he had with his community pharmacist. So during my junior year of high school, my mom, who was a nurse manager, helped me to set up a shadowing experience at one of the Cleveland Clinic hospitals. And I saw the value that a pharmacist provided to the healthcare team and it's their patients, and I was just sold. I was fortunate to find Ohio Northern, um, which is a 06 program, and was set forth on a path. I was like, I'm going to be a pharmacist in six years, and I'm going to change the world. <laughs> Pharmacy school was not easy. I think anyone who's been through it, you know, you as well, like it's a tough curriculum and experience. Um, and I actually almost quit a few times, but with the encouragement of my now husband and mentors from Ohio Northern, I couldn't be more proud of successfully graduating the program um, and being where I am today. And I share that because if anyone's experienced failure to center their passions and look forward to what can you achieve and what are you capable of, while that failure in the moment really seems like you're not going to make it through, that is really an opportunity to pivot and figure out where you go from there. I interned at Cleveland Clinic during pharmacy school. The residents and preceptors there really opened my eyes to the world of health system pharmacy and administration and leadership. So during my appies, I was like, you know, I, 
I like this professional organization thing. You know, I have these mentors at Cleveland Clinic who are, you know, encouraging me to consider leadership as a career and actually completed a rotation at ASHP in Bethesda. And it just happened to be policy week, September timeframe. And I connected with so many leaders in our profession and was like, you know what, I think I, I think I want to do this leadership thing. <laughs> so as you talked about, I pursued the PGY-12 Health System Pharmacy Administration residency pathway, fortunate to match with Grant Medical Center in Columbus and the Ohio Health Programs and get my master's degree at Ohio State. During residency, my now husband and I got married, and I can't thank my program enough for being supportive of life while completing residency. And that's something I, I know we're going to talk about a lot today and how you balance both of those things concurrently. But after residency, my first job was managing our freestanding emergency department and system float team at Ohio Health. I had the really cool opportunity to open five eight-bed freestanding emergency departments and design a hands-on yet virtual pharmacy support model that leveraged advanced technician roles. I even launched a pharmacist-managed post-discharge culture review program under consult agreement, which was the first for our system. And really cool to feel like you're piloting that when you don't even have an on-site pharmacy presence for the most part. And I, I just felt like I was talking about buildings all the time because during the workday, we were building buildings, and at home, I was building my first house. So my husband and I built our home <laughs> in 2018, moved in in January of 2019, and then December of that year, I, as you talked about, moved into my current position, site manager of pharmacy services at Ohio Health Grant Medical Center, which is back home to my residency site. So I joke often that I really have no idea what my job actually is, because right after starting, we entered a global pandemic. Right. So... <laughs> It's like, you're just navigating what you can to get through, but I'm responsible for regulatory finances, all of our operations. I precept a variety of rotations, and I serve as our residency coordinator for our HSPAL program. I work with some really amazing people and couldn't be more thankful for my leadership team and associates. Professionally, I'm interested in things you talked about, advocating for women in the workplace, value-driven leadership, pharmacy technician advancement, um, transitions of care and development of new practitioners. Personally, my husband and I love to travel, which has been really hard for the last, you know, 19 months um, yep. and try lots of new restaurants around town. But we, some good things of the pandemic, picked up some new hobbies, really into hand lettering and enjoying riding my bicycle on the trails around Columbus. So all that to say, that's a little bit about me. Well, I love, there were so many threads in that, that you just talked about that I want to unpack a little bit. First of all, that you shadowed a pharmacist, you know, early on in high school. I think that's a really cool thing. And that some of us don't always think about, you know, let's try to pull someone along or encourage someone to do a shadowing process. You know, I think that was a really neat experience for you. So thank you for sharing that. And then I, I really want to say thank you for sharing that as you were going through pharmacy school, that it was hard and that there were times that you felt like giving up or reflecting on failures. And I think right now, especially during the pandemic, and we've talked about this on several episodes, that there's so many things that plans, you know, that we had, what are plans, you know, and then they had to change and, and react. And so for the resiliency that our community and our listeners have built, but just reflection that sometimes, you know, in the darkest days when it's really hard keep going. And even if you fail, you know, get up because you're going to learn from it. And, you know, I just also want to give a shout out to the fabulous Ohio pharmacy family. And I feel fortunate in my career that I know many, and we've had a couple of those leaders, you know, on this podcast, you went to Ohio Northern and we've had Janelle Sabaka on in some of our earlier episodes, and then more recently had Mary Ellis Bennett. And so, you know, the legacy of excellence from the Ohio pharmacy family is just really, really incredible. 
Well, you know, as you and I were getting ready to talk today, one of the things that I learned um, was an interesting factoid about the mid-year meeting. So, you know, when we talk about the ASHP mid-year clinical meeting, often we'll think about memories of those engaging keynotes or PPS residency showcase. And, you know, I think about all the times that we were in Vegas with the rodeo and all that kind of stuff, but you have a special memory from the ASHP mid-year. So tell me more about that. It's just too funny that, that you brought it up. I'm definitely a huge fan of professional meetings and absolutely thrive off of networking, even as an introvert. And I really do look forward to the day we can safely connect again. And, you know, all the fond memories that most people think of, um, but the, the 2014 mid-year was in Anaheim and that was the year I was navigating PPS or the showcase, trying to promote myself to land the residency program. And my boyfriend was doing the same thing at the time and looking at PGY-1 programs. But after a few high intensity days at the mid-year, which everyone knows how you feel when you leave the mid-year, refreshed professionally, but also exhausted. We went to Disneyland. We're both big Disney fans. We grew up with family loving Disney. And I had no idea, like looking back, you're like, this should have been pretty obvious to you. But I had no idea that Josh had a different plan in mind for the day. So he proposed at the park. I was just so focused on getting the residency that I, I don't even remember what I said. I think I said, is this really happening right now? But, <laughs> um, but, but it's my favorite pharmacy fun fact is that I got engaged at the ASHP mid-year clinical meeting. Well, I think Kelly, that's going to go down, you know, in the, in pharmacy history. And I know when we're in those big cities, whether it be in Orlando or when we're in Anaheim, you know, when there is quite a pharmacy crew that usually even sometimes there's an event at, you know, one of the parks or at Universal or whatever. So that is a really, really cool memory for you to have. Well, you know, we touched on this a little bit, but why don't you tell me a little bit more about some of your mentors and influencers, both pre and post pharmacy school? Yeah, I, mentorship is so important and absolutely key. And I know you've talked about that on a lot of your podcasts as well, Melissa, but I am absolutely blessed like many to have countless leaders to look up to in our pharmacy profession. Absolutely too many of them to name today have shaped me into the woman pharmacist and leader that I am, but I would not be where I am today without their guidance and support. So just to everyone listening, be sure to share your gratitude to your mentors for all that they've done for you. Even you brought up this pharmacist shadowing experience. I don't even know who that pharmacist was, but they were someone who inspired me on a high school shadowing experience to pursue this as a career. And I might not be here without them. So thank your influencers. Thank your mentors for all that they do. But my, my first and forever mentor is my now best friend. Her name is Ashley Duty. Ashley was actually the administrative resident at Cleveland Clinic when I was an intern. I learned from her experiences how to navigate the recruitment process, which is very different than the PGY-1 recruitment process. Ashley's always been a few steps ahead of me in my career, you know, intern, resident. She's always been paving the way and paving a pathway. And I remember when I was interviewing for my first job as a manager, she helped me to center on my passions and my interests and really think about what was the best fit for me versus what I thought other people wanted me to do. When I have a challenging project or experience, she's one of the first people that I ask for advice and she knows exactly what to say to not give me the answer, but guide me to get back on a successful pathway. She encourages me to be bold and pave my own way and definitely one of my biggest cheerleaders and friends. The second person I really think of was my residency program director, Kurt Passapium. He was a constant and guiding support for me in residency. At that time, he was the vice president of pharmacy services at Ohio Health. So no matter what was on his plate, which was a lot, he always made time for me, and I really appreciated and valued that. 
He was also one of the first people to help me understand how emotions play a role in the workplace. I don't know if as a woman, you feel like you can't have emotion or you can't show emotion. And he didn't make me feel that way at all. Rather, help me to understand that vulnerability was an asset so long as I was emotionally literate, self-aware, and successfully navigated my emotions. It's not a bad thing to show emotion. It's how do you appropriately work through that while being your authentic self. He emulated these skills, and I talk about them often now with my own residents today. And one of my residents and I are even working on a presentation for the virtual 2021 mid-year And a lot of these themes come through, which really had me reflecting about where did these come from in in my own journey and and how has that helped me stay true to my leadership style that Kurt helped me identify. Um, And then the, the third really prominent mentor that I think of is Christina Martin. She's been a more recent mentor for me in the profession. And I know you had her on your podcast channel, so it's not a surprise to the listeners to hear Christina's name come up. But I first met Christina when I was on an advisory group for the ASHP New Practitioners Forum. I really got to know her when I was on the executive committee, which I was fortunate to serve on in various capacities starting in 2018 through 2021. Christina helped to thread that that professional involvement can be in my work life, but she's also my personal wellness champion. I think she does that for so many people, making sure that I stay centered on taking care of me first in order to be the best leader I can be. Christine is definitely a model for that behavior, and I often find myself working to prioritize and recenter with her guidance in my ear or her on my shoulder, telling me which way to go. So while so many, those three really stick out of people that have shaped me and the way that I lead today. Thank you for sharing, you know, who your mentors are and then the specific guidance and insights that influenced you. And I love that as you prep for the upcoming ASHP virtual mid-year that you're reflecting and thinking about some of those life lessons. And, you know, I think that's just a great example of how we can pay it forward and honor mentors. And, you know, when you mentioned Christina and wellness, I don't know if you remember this, but it was a few years ago she did a something on social media about what she was packing for the mid-year and it was like her yoga mat and then she had had her healthy snacks and I just I was so impressed with that because I thought about sometimes you know attending that meeting or other national meetings and you know sometimes your health wellness behaviors go out the window because you know your your days are so long and you've been on flights and you're seeing people and all that so I remember thinking wow that is she's being so strategic and so smart about it and I've since have adopted some of those behaviors too it's like oh can I take my travel mat with me or you know how does that work so yeah I was really thrilled to have Christina on last season and she is one that I definitely enjoy staying in touch with well we talked about you know you being a leader with ASHP's new practitioner forum and also that you advocate for women in the workplace so tell me more about like what initiatives are important to new pharmacy graduates transitioning to like a residency fellowship or pharmacy practice and What kind of resources are out there for them? Yeah, I I love this question. I'm just finishing up my term as chair of the New Practitioners Forum Executive Committee. And I won't lie, I'm already starting to go through some withdrawal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The New Practitioners Forum is really a special group um, because you're working with pharmacists who are exactly where you're at in your career. You're new, you're trying to figure out where you fit, where does your career go from here? And, you know, there may be the quote unquote traditional pathway. I do a PGY1, maybe a PGY2. I get a clinical specialist job. I I teach, you know, that is not the pathway that everyone takes. And so you're navigating with each other. What makes sense for me? What are some of your experiences that are shared? And you understand what that other person is trying to navigate. 
because the first five years of practice are just so challenging. There's a lot of transitions, workplace politics, imposter syndrome, you know, maybe first experiences like precepting your first appy students or resident. I mean, there's just so many things that are new. And that doesn't mean that throughout your career, they aren't that way. But it's really an opportunity for you to be in that same place as somebody else in your career, navigating those same challenges. The New Practitioner Forum does have six advisory groups that have approximately 120 members. Their goal is to find solutions to member-driven needs, but they're also using their own experiences to drive those, what's important to them. A lot of times those members actually will share at the end of the year, you know, I wish we had XYZ resource, and then that drives what the next group of individuals work on. Some really fantastic resources for new practitioners that you know, I've used in my career are the New Practitioner Toolkit. Um, there's also a Career Transitions Toolkit, which has a lot of guidance on branding and how do you change your CV, which changes a lot in those first few years, research tips and tricks. And then we are also big fans of podcasts for as new practitioners. So a lot on the ASHP channel on CV formatting for non-traditional roles, precepting models to combat burnout and maintain well-being and resilience leadership conversations and challenges, interviewing tips. There's a whole wellness podcast series, prepping for a virtual conference versus live and and a lot more, especially those for new preceptors. So this past year though, we really wanted to step outside of our box and our members have been pushing for a number of years on how do we connect this group of individuals who are scattered all across the country in a different way? So we launched a Twitter account. It's the at ASHP underscore MTF Twitter account. And it's been a huge success at unifying our members. It's a lot of great conversations, a lot of seasoned practitioners giving advice, students chiming in on, you know, what's next. So it's not just for new practitioners, but really highlighting some of those resources for those groups. And we also have a few wildly popular networking events including some trivia night, video networking at mid-year. Um, but if you start with the Twitter account, it really will connect you to how do I get involved? And you can even silently watch what are things that are going on that would help me in navigating my career. So that would be definitely where I say to get started is following that account. I also appreciate you calling out being an advocate for women in the workplace. I was first engaged in some of the women in pharmacy leadership work through ACHP, which you know, we had talked about previously a bit, Melissa, and I was more of just watching it all happen as a student pharmacist and brought a lot of those lessons into the way that I lead. At Ohio Health, we actually have a women's business resource group. It's called We Lead. We Lead stands for Women Empowering Leaders, Educators, Administrators, and Doctors. But really what the intent is, is a group of associates working towards a common goal. So we're under the diversity inclusion arm of the organization. It's all volunteer work. And the mission of this group is one I believe in to advance an inclusive culture where all women can thrive. So personally, on my own leadership team, I'm the only female manager that reports to my director. Um, and while I never feel any less than the men in my peer group or by my boss, I often find myself ensuring that we're giving equal opportunity to women and showcasing their great talents, um, enhancing women recruitment, providing mentorship opportunities to the women in my department, talent development focused on them, as well as showcasing educational community outreach and social programming. So I, I do feel that I have a lot of opportunity in this space to continue to do more work, but I feel that being an advocate for women is really part of my leadership style and the way that I lead my team. So I, I do appreciate you calling that one out. 
But it's interesting too, thank you, your overview of what ASHP is doing in the new practitioner category is just was so interesting and so important. And what I kind of took away as a member, longtime member and kind of observing over the last several years is the flexibility that you all have in that group. Because as you described, there's so many transitions that are happening. And so what I've liked is that it seems like the programming is fluid and that it's very responsive to meeting people where they are. And then what is the programming that you need and what does that look like? And then also a lot of engagement. And you do see that on Twitter. And I have enjoyed some of the chats that you all have had and just the engagement to see, you know, kind of what's happening. And in my role as a mentor and faculty here at University of Iowa, just me learning from that group has been really helpful. And I know sometimes it can be intimidating for people about, you know, if I'm interested in leadership and encouraging more women leaders, or what does that look like? And, you know, you describing that employee resource group that you have in your organization you know, sometimes it just starts with a little thing, right? Like it doesn't have to be, I know sometimes we feel like, oh, I, I, I don't know about this huge initiative, but the small steps about thinking about recruitment or thinking about sponsoring people or inviting people to the table can make such a difference, right? 100%. And, you know, this group started with two female physicians that felt like we had an opportunity to make a difference within our own organization. And so it just started with two women saying, hey, I think we can take some small steps here. How do we get yes. started? And now we've got hundreds of women throughout the organization. And Ohio Health is 12 hospitals, you know, 30,000 plus associates, you know, hundreds of community office locations. We're large. And so now we've got a really wide span and reach to say, hey, we can each take these small steps that go towards the common goal and the mission of ensuring that our workplace is a place where we each can thrive and our, our peer women can thrive as well. Yeah, I just love that. You know, I'm smiling here thinking about that earlier in our conversation, we talked about your husband, who you connected with in pharmacy school. So how has this relationship played out in your career planning? And you touched on some of this, but let's dive a little deeper on some of the life stuff, being a two career couple, your marriage and home. So how does all that work? I'm really glad that you asked about this. I, I think so often when you're listening to someone share their journey, it's so easy to think, you know, wow, that seems impossible. I, I could never do that. Um, but also you have these thoughts of like, what about the non-pharmacy parts of their life? Like, do they even do things other than pharmacy? And so I think it's a really important topic to talk about because it is equally as important, if not more important than the, some of the career things that, you know, we're doing. Um, so I did, in fact, meet my husband just about five years now. We're about to celebrate our five-year anniversary um, during pharmacy school, actually our freshman year on campus. So that was 2010. As I started to kind of, kind of take that leadership pathway, you know, really feeling and, and feeling about myself very career motivated and people motivated. Um, I never really wanted to lose sight of what was most important to me in my life. You can put all of your heart and soul into a company or a business, but the people are what make it so special and, and worth living. And that's inside of work and that is outside of work relationships as well. And so we, we both decided that we wanted to pursue residency and we talked about all the scenarios. We did decide on the couples match because it was more important for us to be together than it was to match in our number one programs or even at all. And I remember looking at him and going, this is really scary. Like, 
you know, you get one, you get multiple shots, but really it felt like at the time one shot to get this right. And did that make sense? But it was really the decision that was best for us. That may not be the best decision for everyone, but at the end of the day, what was most important to me was being in the same place as Josh. So that was actually a point in our relationship that I knew he was my person. He was going to be my confidant, my soulmate, my best friend for here forward. And shortly after this, you just heard the story that we got engaged and you know, shortly after married. But Josh did a PGY-1 and he decided not to pursue PGY-2 in his journey. Um, As you know, I I did do both. And so there was a point in time where Josh is looking for his first job. And, you know, we had those same conversations, like, you know, whose career do we prioritize? Does Josh just find a job in Columbus so that we stay together? And then we figure out what we do when Kelly finishes up, Um, you know, who gets to take the opportunity? Josh did get his job in Columbus. And so when I was looking that next year, would we move if the opportunity wasn't right for Kelly in Columbus or would we stay? And those conversations all often landed in, you know, it doesn't matter so long as we're together and we're able to continue to put each other first. And you probably have already picked up, but if you know my husband, he very much will always put me above him and his needs. So trying to also make sure that his needs are met too, (laughs) since that's not his first reaction. But so here we are today, Josh is a clinical pharmacist. He's the residency program coordinator and the medication safety lead at his institution. Um, And then, you know, I'm in my role. We're both involved professionally. We precept a variety of learners. We love what we do and are both very career motivated. Yet we keep each other in check to make sure that when our work schedules align, we're leaving on time and we're spending that time with each other. Work can so easily creep into home. And so when those emotions are brought home, we talk about them. We make choices where we need to. I'm definitely not ashamed to say that I pay my sister-in-law to clean my house because that's what I need to keep me sane and keep my priorities in check. So I'm spending the time that I would be cleaning my house in work and work-related duties and things so that when I am home, I'm not worried or stressed about that. I can really spend the time where I need to. And I actually am often asked if I like being married to a pharmacist and I love it. I don't know any difference. I have nothing to compare it to, but we totally get what the other person's going through. And even if sometimes we must intentionally change the conversation or and say, hey, today's not the day to focus on pharmacy. I was once given the advice that it's not work-life balance, it's work-life harmony. It's a decision that you and the person that you live with decide upon as to where you're spending your time. So that harmony has been very centering for us. I'm not sure where life will take us next. Uh, I know we're going to do it together. So my advice here would be to prioritize what's important to you in life with the balanced expectations. So in this example, that being from my partner. Oh, I just love that. There's so many layers in that related to prioritizing your relationship, having flexibility but knowing that it's all going to work out as long as you're together, that, that is just so, so cool. And I have a, my, my husband is not a pharmacist, but he jokes he could play one on TV because of all my pharmacy stuff that he's gone to with me over the years. So he's very much a part of the pharmacy family. But I think having a strong partnership and a strong supporter is one of the most beautiful things in life. So I definitely echo and agree with you on all that and love how you shared you know, your story and how it came together and shout out to your wonderful husband. I look forward to meeting him in person when we get together again in person. That'd be great. (laughs) Well, you know, throughout our talk this morning, our conversation, we've touched on social media and I've talked about this on some other podcasts too. You know, with social media, 
it can appear like everyone has a dream job, you know, the pharmacy residency match, they got this great volunteer leadership position. Is that true? And then what about when things don't work out? What's your take on that one? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I am sure it is very easy to look at someone else because we all do it. And man, I wish I had some of those same achievements or how did they do that? So we, to your point, we can all make ourselves look really good online by creating the brand that we want others to perceive. I am very fortunate for every opportunity that I've had. And to your point, it didn't come without failure or missed opportunities. This will probably sound kind of ridiculous, but I remember bawling my eyes out on match day because I didn't match at my number one program on my list. How ridiculous is that? Like I was so fortunate to match with a top-notch program. And then at the time, it just felt like defeat. You know, so many people don't match in programs or they don't even, and it felt like my life, like, is this where I'm going in life? You know, Grant Medical Center was actually quite low on my, my rank list. And I didn't want anyone to know that, of course. So if you look at my Facebook post from that day, it's all sunshine and rainbow, so excited. And, you know, no one would have ever known that on the inside, I was like very, very confused about what my future looked like. And so it wasn't a failure outwardly, but it sure felt that way. Why didn't, why didn't they like me? Am I not going to be successful? Well, will I be happy with this program? And as you can probably guess through this podcast, I fell in love with Ohio Health and I am still here today. I strongly believe in the mission of this organization and everything happens for a reason. I tell students that all the time. I was meant to match here and thrive in this program. I just couldn't see that for myself at the time. Um, Another example, I've applied for many leadership positions within volunteer organizations, probably more than I should. I have taken advice even from Christina about being really aware of what, where you stretch your limits and when you learn to say no. But I had been denied for many appointed and elected positions that I felt I had all the qualifications to launch. You're like, man, I have all these credentials. I know these people. Why wasn't it my turn? Um, But if I had launched into those roles and I hadn't really been intentional about what I was looking for or really realized what I was important to me at the time, I wouldn't have found the new practitioner's form as an example, which has been my home for five plus years. And I've developed so many special relationships, key leadership skills, and I may not have honed those elsewhere. So my take here is, Don't let that imposter syndrome creep in when you see the brand that someone is posting out on social media. You are worthy. Continue to pursue your passions and everything will happen the way it's supposed to, even if that means by the road less traveled. Yeah, everything will happen the way it's supposed to, even if it's the road less traveled. And I think that's such an important message. And, you know, when you and I were first connecting to talk for this podcast today, I had just seen on social media, and I'm blanking on who actually posted it, but someone had put their name forward for a specialty for a council and didn't receive the appointment and said, you know, I want to put out there that this happens too. And so you and I had a brief exchange about that. And I, I do think it's so important to remember because it's, I think, so normal or common for people to then get down on themselves or, you know, be like, why, or should I try again? Or what does this look like? But if you can just be open that sometimes the no leads to the best yes. And we've talked about that on a couple other podcasts. So thank you for sharing your examples and your experiences. I think that'll help so many people. Well, you know, you and I could keep going and I'm just loving our conversation. And again, can't wait till we can see each other in person. But on each episode, as I close or as we wrap up, I typically ask this question. While I have you, is there one prescription or life lesson you'd like to share with others or comment on in the spirit of Melissa Rx scripts? 
I have really enjoyed reviewing your previous podcast episodes and inspired by the prescriptions from the women you've interviewed, Melissa. So here, here goes. Okay. Um, so connect all the items that we've talked about today, personally and professionally. I encourage each and every one of the listeners here to find meaning and value in the misadventure. I find it essential as a leader to be your true and authentic self. That comes with practicing vulnerability, showcasing empathy, being in tune with your emotions, and sometimes taking a misstep or experiencing an unfortunate event. For me, a few bold steps in my career have assisted me in advancing rather quickly, but I've also had low points and failures. If in the moments of defeat, I had latched on to those feelings, I may have jeopardized my home life, like working too late or bringing that emotion home, or maybe miss that next opportunity. So as we just talked about, everything does happen for a reason. And if you can navigate that with meaning, your life will be filled with joy and opportunities will come your way. Wow. Look at the misadventures, navigate what happens with meaning, and then focus on the joy and adventure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. That was just, just beautiful. And I really appreciate your vulnerability and the emotional intelligence that you shared today. I think it's going to help so many of, you know, our student pharmacists, our new practitioners, but our seasoned practitioners, because if we've learned anything in the last 18 months is nothing certain, you know, and that, and that things keep changing. And so having this resilience and awareness and focus on the bigger picture of what's really important makes such a difference. I just want to say thank you for sharing, you know, your time today and for this lively conversation. And this is the Melissa Rx Scripts podcast. For more lively conversations and resources, visit melissarxscripts.com. And I want to also thank Kate Cruz, my podcast producer with Executive Podcast Solutions, who helps make the magic happen. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Melissa, for having me. I really appreciate it.